So in this clip from the greatest movie series of all time, <laughs> from Return of the Jedi, um, we are introduced to the pomp and the power of the Galactic Empire. And for those of you who don't know about Star Wars, let me be clear, you should all know about Star Wars. <laughs> um, the Empire is opposed by the Rebellion. These are kind of the two sides in this story. And the Rebellion is made up of people who have experienced or seen or heard about the Empire's tyranny, their oppression, their squashing of freedom. And in response to the Empire and what they're doing, the Rebellion are those people who have faced the choice of what to do with a government that you don't particularly like and have decided to fight back. Like people who lived in the Galactic Empire a long time ago, in a place far, far away, <laughs> all of us here today are faced with a choice. How to live under a government that we don't always agree with. In the past five years, many Americans have lived under the leadership of a, of a person who they have not been particularly fond of or always agreed with. If you're a Democrat, chances are you don't particularly like Donald Trump. If you are a Republican, you probably weren't entirely thrilled with Barack Obama's leadership. If you're uh, a moderate or apolitical, there's probably been at least one thing in the past few years that you haven't exactly enjoyed one of our presidents doing. According to Gallup, an increasing number of Americans are dissatisfied with their government. Over the past decade, Trends have gone down, and today, something like 9% of Americans are satisfied with their government. 9%. And so, we all have to answer this question. How should we live when we don't agree with our government? How should we live when we don't like everything that our government is doing? Should we resist? Should we conform? Maybe we can just ignore the problem and it'll go away. Should we protest? Should we live and let live? How should followers of Jesus live under a government that they don't always like? Fortunately, the Apostle Paul has some wisdom for us on this very topic in the passage that we're going to study today. You remember Paul was an early follower of Jesus. He lived in the context of empire, the Roman Empire, and he shared the good news of Jesus' life and death and resurrection through a series of letters that are now in your Bible. And for the past year here at Rooftop, we have been walking through Paul's letter to the Romans. And for the past month or so, we have been looking at what Paul says about what it means to be transformed as you follow Jesus in a series that we're calling Morph. And in our passage for this morning, Romans 13, 1 through 7, Paul gives instructions on how to follow Jesus while living under the control of government. 
But before we get to Romans 13, I want to say a word on its context. Because for the past several weeks, we've been looking at what Paul has to say about transformation, and it's been a really personal, individual sort of conversation. Paul has talked to us about how we need to think soberly about ourselves, how we need to use our gifts, how we need to live in love with other people, how we need to not repay evil for evil, but repay evil with good. And so Paul starts talking about government all of a sudden, and it kind of seems like he's changing subjects. And that is sort of right, but it's also sort of not right. Because Paul isn't giving us his treatise on church and state and their relationship here, but Paul is continuing his, his conversation about transformation. He's explaining another aspect of how gospel transformation affects all of who we are, including our relationship with our government. You see, for Paul, the fact that God's son came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, and was raised from the dead should affect everything. It changes the very fabric of the universe. Every aspect of our lives, every circumstance, every setting, every relationship, including our relationship to the government, should be transformed by the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That is Paul's perspective. And so for Paul, what we do with government is not some secondary thing that we don't need to think about. No, it's part and parcel of our transformation. How we interact with government is a key part of what it means to love Jesus and to show his love to the watching world. And so with that context in mind, follow along as I read Romans 13, 1 through 7. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be fear, free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So Paul's message to those of us Christians who are wondering about how we should interact with our government is actually 
pretty clear from this passage. Christians should submit to the governing authorities. How do we, what do we do? We submit. All right, there's your sermon. Band's going to come back up now. <laughs> Not quite. Because while what Paul is what Paul says is straightforward, it's not exactly easy to understand or to apply in our lives. And so for the rest of our time this morning, we're going to break this down into kind of four parts, the four key aspects of what Paul is saying, which is this, that government is instituted by God for the sake of justice. Therefore, Christians should submit, giving to all what is owed them. So first, Paul confirms this ancient Jewish belief that government is instituted by God. Look again at verses 1 and 2. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. The Christian perspective is that God is all-powerful. And if God is all-powerful, if he is in control of everything, then it follows that those who have power on earth have in some sense been given that power by God. This is a really common theme in the Old Testament. Uh, two verses to show you this. Daniel 2 says, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. Similarly, Proverbs 8 says, By me, kings reign and rulers make laws that are just. The biblical perspective is that God is in control and he has ordained rulers. But then Paul continues, saying that God has ordained government for the sake of justice. Look at verses 3 and 4. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Paul's point here is that government is the agent of God for the purpose of justice, to reward those who do right and to punish those who do wrong. Last week, Pastor Matt talked about uh, how, how this plays out on an individual level. And he said, Christians, individual Christians, should not repay in kind. We should not repay in retaliation, but we should repay in kindness. But whereas individual Christians should not repay evil for evil, Paul is saying here that one of the purposes of government is to bear the sword. They are, in some meaningful sense, supposed to punish people who do wrong. So Paul, Paul begins this passage by making very clear that government has been instituted by God 
for the sake of justice. But of course, this raises the question of whether or not God raises up wicked rulers as well. All authorities have been established by God. Okay, that's great. What about Hitler? What about Chairman Mao? What about the Roman emperor who just a few years after Paul wrote these words would begin persecuting Christians and would in fact behead Paul himself? What about all those other rulers throughout history for whom justice has not been a concern? Did God institute them too? Our experience tells us that government is not always good and just. One of the most sober moments of my life, one of the most sober days of my life, was when I went to the Dachau concentration camp in Germany, where tens of thousands of human beings loved by God were imprisoned and tortured and experimented on and murdered. Human beings have an almost limitless capacity for evil. And very oftentimes, it is our governments that perpetuate that wickedness. And Paul knows this. Paul knows that the Romans mercilessly crucified Jesus using the most inhumane, barbaric, painful, embarrassing way of killing someone known at the time. Just a few years before this, Paul knows that the Romans have wiped out a whole group of people in Jerusalem. Paul himself has been imprisoned, beaten, and unjustly tried. He knows about this firsthand. He knows that the people he is writing to in Rome have seen their friends and their family kicked out of Rome and made refugees by the emperor. Paul has real-life experience with the injustice of a tyrannical empire. So why does he say that government is instituted by God for justice? Christians have wrestled with this for centuries. What Paul is saying here, what Paul means, this is a really hard passage to make sense of in light of history. Christians have very oftentimes had to wrestle with these verses in the context of other Christians using the verses we're looking at in church this morning to silence people who are opposed to the evil that was going on in their world. But Paul is not giving totalitarian despots the freedom to do whatever they want in these verses because they've been divinely ordained by God. It's not what he's saying. Rather, Paul is talking about the normal state of government. Fourth century pastor John Chrysostom wrote that Paul is speaking not about individual rulers, specific rulers, but about the principle of authority itself. And that's exactly right. Paul is talking about the purpose of government 
on a large scale, how government is supposed to pursue order and pursue justice. And that in those situations, Christians should recognize that the governments have been instituted by God and ought to be followed. Now, non-normal circumstances exist as well. Times when the government isn't doing its duty to pursue justice. There are times when obedience to the government would entail disobedience to God. The apostles faced one such situation early on in the book of Acts when they were told not to preach about the resurrected Jesus by the governing authorities. And in response, they said, we must obey God rather than men. And countless Christians throughout the centuries have followed this example. People like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who stood up to the Nazis in Germany. Or Watchman Nee, who resisted the communists in China. Or Martin Luther King Jr., who peacefully protested against racial discrimination in the American South. Christians have long recognized that if the government forsakes its duty to be just, they can resist. If the state commands what God forbids, or forbids what God commands, Christian duty is to resist, to disobey the government in order to obey God. Now, of course, as freedom-loving Americans who grew up rooting for the rebellion in Star Wars, resistance sometimes seems like the most appealing option. Sometimes it's really socially acceptable to be part of a resistance or a protest movement. And those might be appropriate responses to government. But when we are considering our own resistance, we must always remember what Paul says in this passage, that Christians should submit to authorities. This command is important enough that Paul makes it clear twice in these verses that submission is what we're supposed to do. Verse 1, everyone must submit to the governing authorities. Verse 5, therefore it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. Submitting, yielding to someone else, is hard. It's hard. It's hard to die to yourself and listen to what someone else has to say, especially when they're a bureaucrat in Washington who knows nothing about your life. Our hearts are rebellious. We think we know best. We want things our own way. But that is not what Paul is calling us to here. He wants us to do the hard work of submitting to the governing authorities. Now, Christians have submitted in different ways throughout the century. In the second century, uh, there's a guy, his name was Justin Martyr. He lived in Rome. And Justin actually wrote to the emperor saying that Christians were more than other people, helpers and allies in the cause of peace for Rome. 
Justin very respectfully laid out how Christians are actually really good, submissive citizens of the empire. They are honorable and obedient and peaceful in everything except the demand to worship the emperor. That was Justin's line in the sand. In the case you couldn't tell from his name, Justin died because he would rather obey God than men. So Christians should submit. But finally, Christians should also give to all what is rightfully owed to them. Romans 13, 6, and 7 says, This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Whatever ethics or reasonable social convention says that you owe to someone, give it to them. Paul is really building on what Jesus says in Matthew here, that Christians are supposed to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and render unto God that which is God's. Submission means giving others what they're due, even when it is something as unpleasant as taxes. Now, I don't watch the Big Bang Theory a whole lot, uh, but when I do, some of my favorite moments are when Leonard can convince Sheldon to do something by appealing to social convention. Sheldon doesn't want to do this thing. He doesn't want to be polite. He doesn't want to interact with someone. But then he learns that it's social convention, and he submits to that expectation. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. Honor people. Extend them common courtesy. Give people what you rightfully owe them. Or in the words of Jesus, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Living amidst the reality of an empire that would eventually persecute and kill him, Paul is really clear here in Romans 13. That Christians should submit to the governing authorities. Because authorities have been instituted by God for the purpose of justice. Now, what does that look like for us here today? I have four suggestions. First, that we can honor government, whether good or bad, by praying for them. I think the Anglican Church actually does a really good job with this. Because the Anglican Church, every Sunday, rain or shine, whether there's a Republican or a Democrat in the White House, the Anglican Church comes and they pray for government leaders for their wisdom and for their justice. And very often it is by name that they are praying in church on Sunday. And I think no matter the political climate, we would all do well to follow that example, to pray for our leaders, to pray for our government. The second thing we can do is we can pursue justice by supporting good government. 
Unlike in Paul's day, we actually have the opportunity to participate and to help govern and guide who our leaders are. And so we should take advantage of our civic rights, our civic rights like voting, like many of us did this past week, our rights to express our concerns through free speech, our rights to peacefully protest if necessary. These are all government-protected means that we have available to us as a way to support or critique our governing authorities. And so we should use these means that we have to support good government. Government that is just and protects the poor, the orphan, and the widow. Government that respects the rule of law. Government that limits, where possible, the corrupting influences of power. Theologian John Stott once said that the gospel is equally hostile to tyranny and anarchy. And as Christians, our support of a good, just, balanced government can be one way that we proclaim the good news about Jesus. Third, we can pay taxes. I don't actually have anything else to say there. Just pay your taxes. <laughs> and finally, we can submit to one another in loving dialogue and discussion. Part of being morphed is learning to submit, not just to our government, but also to ourselves. Ephesians 5 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And part of that means learning to listen. Really listen and respect someone else's opinion, even when it's very different than your own. Now, I'm friends with some of you on Facebook. Some of you need to get off Facebook, <laughs> maybe just in general, but you need to, and you need to sit down for coffee or mediation with someone on the other side of the political aisle from you. And you need to have a conversation with that person. Now, fortunately, Thanksgiving is coming up in a few weeks. And so chances are many of you are going to be in homes with people who have a different set of political views than you. I want to challenge you. Use that opportunity to submit to one another in love. Talk about your differences. Try to understand what your crazy family member is thinking without throwing turkey at them. Learn. Hear another perspective. Be willing to reach out and do something uncomfortable. The church has to be the leader in this area in our culture because Christians are supposed to be people who are able to submit to others out of love. Now, of course, we can't. We can't truly submit to other people. There's nothing in me that allows me to submit to the government in a God-honoring way. There's nothing in me that lets me sit down with my political opponent and actually love them. On my own, in my own power, 
My attempts to honor God and other people through submission are cheap imitations. The only thing I can do, the only way to truly submit is to follow the example of Jesus Christ. To learn from him. To live like him. Only then can I be truly transformed in a way that honors God and other people. Jesus gives us the example of what submitting looks like. Because Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That is the kind of submission that we are called to, to follow Jesus for the sake of other people, even at great personal cost, maybe even death. Are you willing to follow Jesus' path of submission? Because it's only by giving our lives, our whole lives, to Christ and following him that any of the transformation that Paul is talking about in Romans 12 and 13 can actually be about us. And so I ask you, where do you need to submit today? Do you need to do a better job of submitting to your governing authorities? Do you need to do a better job of submitting to others, giving them the honor and respect that they're due? Or maybe you're here this morning and you need to submit to Christ. If you want to talk about any of those things or just chat in general, I would love to talk with you further in the back of the worship center in just a minute. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for government, especially government that is good and just. Father, thank you for our governments, for our local and state and federal leaders, for our representatives and those who do the hard work of governing. Father, may our government become more just and more honoring to you. Lord, give us your spirit and your spirit of wisdom to discern when we should submit and when we should resist. Help us to follow Christ's example of submission. To honor those in our lives even when we disagree with them. Father, thank you for the hard work that you have given us as your followers to work every day to become more and more transformed and to become more and more like you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name.